The Mystery of the Ravenspurs, a Romance and Detective Story of Tibet and England by Fred M. White. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Roger Moline. Chapter One The Shadow of a Fear. A grand old castle looks out across the North Sea, and fishermen toiling on the deep catch the red flash from Ravenspur Point, as their forefathers have done for many generations. The Ravenspurs and their great granite fortress have made history between them. Every quadrangle and watchtower and turret has its legend of brave deeds and bloody deeds, of fights for the king and the glory of the flag and for five hundred years there has been no Ravenspur who has not acquitted himself like a man. Theirs is a record to be proud of. Time has dealt lightly with the home of the Ravenspurs. It is probably the most perfect medieval castle in the country. The moat and the drawbridge are still intact. The portcullis might be worked by a child and landwards the castle looks over a fair domain of broad acres where the orchards bloom and flourish and the red beeves wax fat in the pastures a quiet family a handsome family a family passing rich in the world's goods they are strong and brave a glorious chronicle behind them and no carking cares ahead surely then the ravenspurs should be happy and contented beyond most men excepting the beat of the wings of the angel of death that come to all sooner or later surely no sorrow dwelt there that the hand of time could fail to soothe and yet over them hung the shadow of a fear no ravenspur had ever slunk away from any danger however great so long as it was tangible but there was something here that turned the stoutest heart to water and caused strong men to start at their own shadows for five years now the curse had lain heavy on the house of ravenspur it had come down upon them without warning at first in the guise of a series of accidents and misfortunes until gradually it became evident that some cunning and remorseless enemy was bent upon exterminating the ravenspurs root and branch there had been no warning given but one by one the ravenspurs died mysteriously horribly until at last no more than seven of the family remained the north country shuddered in speaking of the ill-starred family the story had found its way into print scotland yard had taken the case in hand but still the hapless ravenspurs died mysteriously murdered and even some of those who survived had tales to unfold of marvelous escapes from destruction the fear grew on them like a hunting madness from first to last not one single clue however small had the murderers left behind family archives were ransacked and personal histories explored with a view to finding some forgotten enemy who had originated this vengeance but the ravenspurs had ever been generous and kind 
honorable to men and true to women, and none could lay a finger on the blot. In the whole history of crime no such weird story had ever been told before. Why should this blow fall after the lapse of all these years? What could the mysterious foe hope to gain by this merciless slaughter? And to struggle against the unseen enemy was in vain. As the maddening terror deepened, the most extraordinary precautions were taken to baffle the assassin. Eighteen months ago the word had gone out for the gathering of the family at the castle. They had come without followers or retainers of any kind. Every servant had been housed outside the castle at nightfall, and the grim old fortress had been placed in a state of siege. They waited upon themselves, they superintended the cooking of their own food. No strange feet crossed the drawbridge. When the portcullis was raised, the most ingenious burglar would have failed to find entrance. At last the foe was baffled. At last the family was safe. There were no secret passages, no means of entry, and here salvation lay. Alas for fond hopes! Within the last year and a half three of the family had perished in the same strange and horrible fashion. There was Richard Ravenspur, a younger son of Rupert, the head of the house, with his wife and boy. Richard Ravenspur had been found dead in his bed, poisoned by some lemonade. His wife had walked into the moat in the darkness. The boy had fallen from one of the towers into a stone quadrangle and been instantly killed. The thing was dreadful, inexplicable to a degree. The enemy who was doing this thing was in the midst of them, and yet no stranger passed those iron gates. None but Ravenspurs dwelt within the walls. Eye looked into eye and fell again, ashamed that the other should know the suspicions racking each poor distracted brain. And there were only seven of them now, seven pallid, hollow-cheeked wretches, almost longing for the death they dreaded. There was Rupert Ravenspur, the head of the family, a fine, handsome, white-headed man, who had distinguished himself in the Crimea and the Indian mutiny. There was his son, Gordon, who some day might succeed him. There was Gordon's wife and his daughter, Vera. Then there was Geoffrey Ravenspur, the orphan son of one Jasper Ravenspur, who had fallen under the scourge two years before. And also there was Marion Ravenspur, the orphan daughter of Charles Ravenspur, another son who had died in India five years before of cholera. Mrs. Charles was there, the child of an Indian prince, and from her Marion had inherited the dark beauty and soft glorious eyes that made her beloved of the whole family. A strange tale, surely, a hideous nightmare and yet so painfully realistic. One by one they were being cut off by the malignant destroyer, and ere long the family would be extinct. It seemed impossible to fight against the desolation that always struck in the darkness, and never struck in vain. 
Rupert Ravenspur looked out from the leads above the castle to the open sea, and from thence to the trim lawns and flower-beds away to the park where the deer stood knee-deep in the bracken. It was a fair and perfect picture of a noble English homestead, far enough removed apparently from crime and violence. And yet... A deep sigh burst from the old man's breast. His lips quivered. The shadow of that awful fear was in his eyes. Not that he feared for himself, for the snows of seventy years lay upon his head, and his life's work was done. It was others he was thinking of. The bright bars of the setting sun shone on a young and graceful couple below, coming towards the moat. A tender light filled old Ravenspur's eyes. Then he started as a gay laugh reached his ears. The sound caught him almost like a blow. Where had he heard a laugh like that before? It seemed strangely out of place. And yet those two were young, and they loved one another. Under happier auspices, Geoffrey Ravenspur would some day come into the wide acres and noble revenues and take his cousin Vera to wife. "'May God spare them!' Ravenspur cried aloud. "'Surely the curse must burn itself out some time, or the truth must come to light. If I could only live to know that they were happy!' The words were a fervent prayer. The dying sun that turned the towers and turrets of the castle to a golden glory fell on his white, quivering face. It lit up the agony of the strong man with despair upon him. He turned as a hand lay light as thistle-down on his arm. "'Amen, with all my heart, dear grandfather,' a gentle voice murmured. "'I could not help hearing what you said.' Ravenspur smiled mournfully. He looked down into a pure young face, gentle and placid, like that of a Madonna, and yet full of strength. The dark brown eyes were so clear that the white soul seemed to gleam behind them. There was Hindu blood in Marion Ravenspur's veins, but she bore no trace of the fact, and out of the seven surviving members of that ill-fated race, Marion was the most beloved. All relied upon her, all trusted her. In the blackest hour her courage never faltered. She never bowed before the unseen terror. Ravenspur turned upon her almost fiercely. "'We must save Vera and Geoffrey,' he said. "'They must be preserved. The rest of us are as nothing by comparison.' The whole future of our race lies with those two young people. Watch over them, Marion. Shield Vera from every harm. I know that she loves you. Swear that you will protect her from every evil. There is no occasion to swear anything, Marion said in her clear, sweet voice. Dear, don't you know that I am devoted heart and soul to your interests? When my parents died, and I elected to come here in preference to returning to my mother's people, you received me with open arms. 
do you suppose that i could ever forget the love and affection that have been poured upon me if i can save vera she is already saved but why do you speak like this today ravenspur gave a quick glance around him because my time has come he whispered hoarsely keep this to yourself marion for i have told nobody but you the black assassin is upon me i wake at nights with fearful pains at my heart i cannot breathe i have to fight for my life as my brother charles fought for his two years ago tomorrow morning i may be found dead in my bed as charles was then there will be an inquest and the doctors will be puzzled as they were before grandfather you are not afraid afraid i am glad glad i tell you i am old and careworn and the suspense is gradually sapping my senses better death swift and terrible than that but not a word of this to the rest as you love me end of chapter one